<laughs> awesome, if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to John chapter 21. Uh, John chapter 21. Um, my church don't know this, and, and Lee, you better not tell them, but actually all of our preaching in the last two months has been from the book of John. Uh, it's a little pattern because that's where I've been reading for the last four months. So <laughs> it's really cool. But uh, we've got a great, a great passage here. Uh, I'm believing tonight for just people, if you're in a place where it's been hard and you're feeling a bit... Uh, down, you're feeling a bit knocked down, you're feeling a bit beaten down by life or by the enemy or by circumstance that you're going to be uplifted tonight, I mean? Now, that's what I'm believing for. I, I love the fact you had the, your set-up dramas because it reminded me, when we first got into our theatre, um, uh, there was some sort of underhand deal that was just put on on the side which shouldn't have been done, it was against the rules of the trust that owned the theatre, but they, they started subcontracting the theatre out the same day we had it to the symphony orchestra between our services. Uh, so we couldn't just leave things uh, off to the sides. We had to leave a completely blank slate. And so we did a 10 a.m. and a 5 p.m. And the symphony orchestra are running late. And it's like, you know, it's three minutes to five. And it's it's not just kind of arty kind of moviegoers walking out the door. It's the, the posh Blue Rinse Brigade of Canterbury uh, walking out the door. And we've already set up the foyer and we're kind of hurrying them along. And I don't quite know, I think they know what hit them. But uh, uh, so we had to do a double setup. On Sunday, it was fun. Uh, so I, I relate, and it's good for a season, uh, but we'll believe that season is over shortly. Amen? Amen? Amen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, everything that doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It forges capacity if you respond with the right attitude. I can't see a lot of faces because those spots are right in my eyes. If I put my cap down low, then you can't see my eyes and I look really shifty. So, um, yeah, that's better so I can see some smiles or just some blank stares from the back row. <laughs> maybe, maybe turn the lights back up again. No, no, no. John 21, you got it? Hey, can I just make a note? Uh, bring, bring your Bible to church. It's a great thing to do. We love the Word of God. The power it has to change you now. You may have it on a device. I'm going to go a little bit old school and say, well, okay, that's fine if you've got it on your device, but maybe... Uh, get a real one uh, that you can write in and write notes around. I've got it. I've got five Bibles on this device. I've got about seven on this device, but I still do my devotion on the on uh, the original faith book. Uh, and I like to write stuff. And I really encourage you bring a Bible to church because you'll never know. The preaching may be rubbish tonight, but you might read something on the other side of the page that God uses to change your life. That's the power of the Word of God. It goes way beyond what I can do. So we're talking about uh, several of the disciples, including Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. There was a typical man response to everything going wrong. This is after Jesus has died. He has been buried. He's been resurrected. And the fishermen are going back to what they know. It's interesting, eh, when things go wrong, particularly when we let ourselves down, how we tend to go back to old defaults. Have you ever met, oh, maybe, maybe you haven't done that, maybe you've met someone like that. Someone like that, you know, uh, they have let themselves, because the disciples to a man all denied Jesus in some way or other. Peter did it implicitly, or explicitly, sorry, three times. No, I don't know him, I tell you, and he started dropping the F-bomb saying, I don't know him. I don't F, nothing, beep, doop, beep. Know him. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't say F-bomb it. It just says he curses. He curses. And, and, and they go back to their default, and all the other guys thought it was an idea, and it's a typical male default too. If life's not working, just go fishing. 
I like to go fishing sometimes as well. Uh, uh, Pastor Jordan likes to go fishing with me as well because we catch lots of fish together. It's, it's a powerful combination. But okay, so they go at dawn. Jesus was standing on the beach. They'd been out all night, sorry, in verse 3, and caught nothing all night. That's a bad night's fishing. At dawn, Jesus is standing on the beach, and he calls out, and this is one of the weirdest translations in the Bible, fellows. Fellows? Sounds very posh, doesn't it? Very, very much like the orchestra crowd, maybe. Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw your net out on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. And the disciple, Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And then Peter runs out to Jesus and they get there and they, they come back. And in verse 9, and we'll skip on for the sake of time, but verse 9 says, when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and bread. Isn't it interesting? They'd gone fishing all night. Do you reckon we could open that curtain just a smidgen more or is that impossible? We don't know how? Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, wow. I could just tear it down, but I won't do that. <laughs> uh, isn't it amazing? Because there's a wee miracle here, because they've been fishing all night, caught nothing. They get home after catching all the fish, but Jesus already has cooked fish on the beach without a 7-Eleven. So I don't know what he did, if he did a little bit of kind of trout tickling or something like that, but he, he has fish already that he's prepared earlier, puts them out on and serves them up at breakfast, and then tells them to bring the fish they bought as well. So Simon Peter uh, went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There are 153 large fish, because you always catch large fish when you go fishing. That's the rule of fishing. They're always this big. And there are 153 of them, because we always count when it's a big catch. Otherwise, we just talk about the fishing experience. And yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast. And he goes on from there, and he asks Simon Peter this question, do you love me, three times. And he says, yes, Lord, I know that you love me. And he says, then feed my sheep. And there's a restoration process of Peter. Um, in verse 16, he repeats the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time because Peter had denied him three times, remember? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you're young, you're able to do what you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, uh, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to him to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. Father, I just thank you this tonight for our time together. Lord, I thank you for this group of people, Lord, that they have the ability and the power to start a, 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 a movement of God in this place, Lord, that, that it has ripples around our country. And Lord, I just pray. And Is that a fire alarm or not? Oh, that's the curtains. Wow, that's amazing. We'll keep praying. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So, Lord, I thank you for the power of your word to transform our lives. And, Lord, this, this evening we just ask, Lord, that your word becomes flesh amongst us. It takes its form on in our lives and becomes our testimony. Uh, Lord, that it has the power to, to sink in and to bring change and to bring inspiration. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to show a video now, which is great timing with that curtain. A uh, uh, warning, if you don't like violence, this has violence in it. That's good. We're okay with that. It's, it's, not, um, it's not scripted Hollywood violence. It's UFC violence. So we're going to watch the first couple of seconds, and the video person is going to watch for my cue to stop the movie. Okay, so if we're ready to roll, that would be amazing. It's stick figure UFC. <laughs> oh, we're just about there. I saw it for a second. Oh, 
full screen. Awesome and play down the bottom. Check. Oh, oh, right okay, stop there. Big right hand. Boom. How many people watch UFC? I expected a fairly strong, uh, a fairly, a, without trying to isolate the females who did put up their hands, a fairly strong male response on that, that, that question. We always get that. Have you ever felt like you've been knocked down in life? Have you ever felt like that guy, uh, our friend, we're going to call him Peter for the sake of tonight. He's a bit pixelated, but he's been beaten down. He's getting punched. Have you ever felt like your enemy has got you down? You know, and, and sometimes you feel like that life is bit down on you and you're down. And, and you know, it's an incredible moment when you, you, you get hit by one of those things in life, you know? On, um, I can't remember if I shared this here or in Hutt this morning because I did different sermons this morning in the two churches. But on Monday morning, on my motorbike on the way to staff meeting, I hit ice. Did I share that here? Yeah. And, and you go for one second loving life and being free on the motorbike to being boom on the ice. And you don't know what hit you, you'll flip. And then you'll try to pick my motorbike up, which had lost kind of significant things like its indicators, uh, its brake pedals, uh, and things like that. And I couldn't lift it back up because the ice was so thick on the road, I couldn't stand on it. So I'm like, I'm trying to pick my bike up, which is quite heavy when it's actually fully down. Not so heavy when you've got a bit of momentum going. But sometimes I reckon in life I feel like that. Some people, maybe, every now and again. Watch it just for a bit longer, because this guy, he's amazing. He's been knocked down. He gets up. It's over. Wow. Can Carlo really survive? It looked like he was out. Oh, stop there. Do you hear what they said? It's over. The guy who's saying that is the most experienced UFC commentator of all time. He's one of the most experienced UFC fighters of all time. It's all over, and then he gets knocked out again. Boom. He's taking a battering. It's sometimes easy when you're like that, you know, and you can be lying there on your knees metaphorically or physically in a daze going, what the heck just happened? Where is momentum now? Jesus, where are you right now? And Pastor John or Pastor Jordan, what about that message you preached on Sunday? What has just happened that I'm here watching my teeth drop out of my mouth onto the, onto the canvas? That's a whole weight of dental pain and trouble for me. I want to preach tonight about the subject because I believe there are people in this room tonight and you feel like you're knocked down. And I want to say you're knocked down, but you're not out. That's the title of the message. Let's watch the end of the clip. Oh, man, Murphy is letting this go. That's wow. incredible. Great job done by Jack Congo. He's in big trouble, though. Barry and Luke are the How many think that is an amazing comeback? That is an amazing comeback. He's basically been knocked out twice in any other sport in the world. That would have that fight would have been over already. You know, you'd have been off the concussion test in rugby or something like that. And in football, he would have been flopping around like an eel, holding his left knee even though he got punched in the jaw. Oh my gosh. But he got knocked down, but he wasn't out. And I reckon that sometimes we can create a move of God, not by the fact that we didn't get knocked down, but by the fact that we just get up again. And there's power in it. You know, the Bible is full of people that got knocked down, but they realized it wasn't out. Knocked down, not out. 
You know, there's a guy, uh, David, he's, he wrote a lot of these Psalms in the Bible. He is knocked down and ends up in immorality and murder. That's a bad day, you know? When you're about to get pinged for murder and, and having an affair with one of your mate's wives, that's not a good day, is it? Some of you guys in the back didn't, didn't agree with that statement. There was a great chance in church to agree. There was, a, there was a freebie. You could say, yep, that's right, that's wrong. You would have looked really spiritual right then. But you see, the Bible is full of people. Samuel, uh, the prophet here, he's appointed Saul as leader of uh, the first king of Israel. And then Saul does it all wrong. And Samuel, as a leadership, is, he is mourning him. And it comes to the end of one chapter in chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. And it says that Samuel went home. And Saul went to his house, and Samuel never met him again, but he mourned constantly for Saul. And the Lord was sorry that he ever made Saul king of Israel. In the very next verse, the Lord says to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I've rejected him as king, so fill your flask of oil and go to Bethlehem. God says to him, Hey, yep, that was bad. Go again. Don't stay there. Don't stay knocked down. Joseph, he got knocked down. He didn't just get knocked down once by the betrayal of his brothers. He got knocked down by the, uh, by the false accusation of rape. That's another big one. He then got knocked down by someone going back and reneging on the word and not mentioning him when he's in prison. Knocked down. He gets up. He knocks down. He gets up. He knocks down. Eventually, he ends up in the promise of God. But he was, you've got to have a revelation. You're knocked down. You're not out. Jesus told a story just to illustrate the point a bit more. He talked about the, in Luke's, Luke 14, he talked about the, uh, uh, the, the, the man in the kingdom, and, and he invites a whole lot of people to his banquet. He invites all his people, says, come, and all at the time of the comes, everyone says they're going to come, but when it comes time, everyone's like, oh, look, I'm a bit busy. There's something happening on Facebook Live that I need to watch. And someone else is like, well, I've got this really important date with the, 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 the All Blacks at the Caketon. And, and someone else has another excuse. And they, they oh, well, I'm just, I've just met someone and she's pretty hot, so I'm busy. You know, all those normal excuses. And he says, we'll go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town. He sends a servant. And he says, invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So what does the master do in the story Jesus tells to illustrate the kingdom? He says, go again, out into the country lanes, behind the hedges, and urge anyone you find to come so that my house may be full. Have you ever invited someone to church and they've said no? Man, some of you need to invite some people to church. Because if you haven't invited someone to church and they've said no, you're probably not inviting people to church. Go again. When they say no, go again. You've got to learn the power of this. You know, the, we've, we've, got to, we've got to understand the power of going again. That passage I read before, what does that have to do with that? There is kind of three layers to the knocking down that's happened here. Jesus has gone to the cross. He has died for the sins of the world. He's risen again, but man, he's taken a hit because the people he entrusted his message with, the people he told would, it would happen to, they all let him down. They all betrayed his trust. They betrayed his love. And in this moment, when Jesus is making fried fish for breakfast on the beach, he's going again. He's going again with them. He's saying, hey, we can believe for a change here. And he's encouraging them, even though they've been knocked down, because Jesus has been knocked down by the betrayal of a friend. Uh, people, when you're faced with your own 
Failings feel knocked down. Peter feels completely deflated. And he's saying, go again. There's something. You're knocked down, Peter. You're not out. There's still a plan. And if you know in the, the very next chapter of Peter's life, it's an amazing plan. First time he speaks out publicly since that moment, 3,000 saved. Go again. You see, it's amazing. You know, they return back to their old defaults. And she's like, don't go back there. Don't go back to what you used to do. Don't go back to that old way of living. Don't go back to that backslidden life. Go again. You see, life is going to happen. I can guarantee you, you're going to take some hits. And, and the first thought I have for you tonight is when you are knocked down but not out, is remember this, number one, get up. Get up. Because you know what the, the enemy of your life is going to say? Stay down. Stay down in immorality. Stay down. He's going to state to you, stay down in poverty. You'll never get out of there. He's going to say, stay down in that old way of living. Stay in immorality. Stay in sin. Stay in lack. Stay in ineffectiveness. Stay there. But I tell you, get up. You've got to learn how to get up. You see, because here's the deal. When you're down on the mat, you've been punched. You're here to ring. The coach can't do anything for you but encourage you. The coach isn't allowed in the ring until it's all over. Your friends, they may be clapping you and cheering you on. They can't do anything either. The only person who can make a decision to get up is you. Get up out of discouragement. Get up out of poverty. Get up out of sin. Get up out of that. God says, get up. Live a life worthy of your call. Get up. Yeah, he lifts. I love what the psalmist says. He, he lifted my feet out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock. It's a firm place to stand. You know, I have a really good analogy. The first time I did a long distance run, it was a two-day mountain run uh, uh, in the North Island in the Kawekas. And it's a two-day run. You had to have, have, carry your gear with you, so you had a pack on your back. And I was running in a team's event with my sister. My sister conveniently sprained her ankle. So I had her pack on my front, my pack on my back. And I'm running on day two. And we're running along in these rolling hills. It's tussock. It's got a 3,000-meter climb in this run. Uh, and we're running along the rolling hills. And then it kind of got a bit muddy underfoot. And then I'm running along, and I just take this one pace. And uh, instead of landing like this on kind of firm ground, I landed like that. Vroom. And so my foot went all the way down. And what it was is it was tussock on the top, but it was an underground kind of river of mud. And I, my foot was not touching on anything on the bottom. And so because I'm not that flexible, and my legs bent somewhere out behind me where it shouldn't be, I have no power to get out of that place. I'm just stuck. I've got a pack on my front, a pack on my back. I'm just kind of flailing around. And my sister, who's got a sprained ankle and who gets up to about here on me anyway, is not much use to helping me. You know, you're in the miry clay. You're in this place where you just suddenly, voom, and you're stuck. And thankfully, another runner came along who wasn't so wound up in the competition that he wouldn't just lend a hand. And, and, and it's the difference between having your feet on the muck and the slime and having your feet on the rock and on solid ground, uh, that Jesus will help you get up. Although there may be no one else in the ring, no one else in that situation, maybe no one else even knows what's going on. Jesus is there. He will set your feet on the rock. You've just got to reach out a hand. He will help you up. Get up. Get up. You're knocked down, but you're not out. You know, there is no moment in life where you're out. 
You know, the first thing you're going to know when, when you're knocked out, you're going to be looking down on your mortal body. Your spirit will be going to a better place. That's when you can stop getting up. Until the day God says, hey, I, I ordain this moment for you to breathe your last. Get up. Go again. Get up. Get up in the fight. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy. Second thing is you get up. Now, our friend Peter in the, in the fight here, he gets up. But you see, the first time he gets up, he's like this. It's called being punch drunk. Not because he's drunk on punch. But kind of. And he's flopping around, but he, he gets up, but he doesn't get his gloves up. So what happens is he becomes a punching bag. This is like your ultimate dream as a fighter, is to see the other guy standing there, jelly arms, and nothing to defend his head. Because what happens, and that, that whole clip is only 40 seconds long, and 10 seconds after he gets up, clonk, down again. You see, you've got to get your gloves up in life. You don't just stand there to be a victim. You don't just stand there going, oh, oh, jelly arms, I'm weak. Oh, get up, get your gloves up. Get your gloves up, get it up. Get the, get the word of God up in your life. Get, get your praise up in life. Get along to church and get up. Get some people around you that will lift your hands up. You've got to learn how to, it's a posture of faith. It's not a, I'm not a victim Oh, jelly arms, I'm the victim, waiting to be punched by the next thing. Oh, well, life's probably going to throw another bad thing at me. Man, we don't need spineless, weak Christians. We need some Christians who've got some fight, and they may have been knocked down, but they know they're not out, so they get up, and they get their gloves up, and they start to believe in the Word of God that I'm not a victim. I'm a victor in Jesus' name. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. That works better on a hands-free mic. <laughs> You've got to understand you're not called to live the life of a victim. If you follow Jesus, you're called to live a life of an overcomer. And, and there's a posture of faith where you get your spiritual gloves up and you say, I'm up for the fight. Because yes, it is a fight. That's why Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. Oh, I thought if I came to Jesus, all my problems would go away. No, 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 no. When you come to Jesus, some of your problems rise up because suddenly you're in a fight. You see, the only time you're not getting hit by the enemy, the only time the enemy's not trying to take you out is when you're already down. Some people mistake the peace of defeat for actual peace. Some people mistake the, the sting of slavery for actually being peace. Oh, well, I've just heard such a peace of God about this decision. Yes, because you're not up. You're not in the fight anymore. You've been knocked out. The enemy's won. He's not going to hit you way down. You're not allowed. The one thing you're not allowed to do is, 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 you know, in the UFC, you're not allowed to kick people on the ground in the head. If there's a hand, and that's why they stand there like this, because they can't get kicked in the head. As soon as you start trying to get up, he's going to start raining blows on you. I preached this message in my church last Sunday night, and I had someone who said, man, that was amazing. And he said, encourage me to get up and go again. And then on Wednesday, he gets hit by the kind of the eight-punch combination. And it's like the police are involved with a false accusation, which they're convinced his daughter did. And if you know his daughter's character, is completely out of character for her. It would be almost impossible for her to do what she's been accused of. But the police think they've got uh, iron-class evidence of her wrongdoing. And they're going to prosecute her as an adult, even though she's only 13. Which is ridiculous. 
So they're trying to put all this pressure in. He's just like, I got up, and then it's like, bang. You've got to have the gloves up. You've got to understand when you get in the fight, you're in the fight. The time the fight stops, it usually means you're in defeat. Don't mistake that. Yeah, people, I've had people come to me, oh, well, I prayed about it. I've got such a peace about it. So I'm going to leave my husband. Well, I don't know who you've been praying to, but it's not God. Yeah, it, it, it's, the, it's the thing that settles on people. People get a peace. They get a peace about all sorts of wrong decisions. The most peaceful moment in some people's lives is the moment before they take their own life. Because they've settled into defeat. They've agreed, they've decided to do it, so there's no longer a fight. There's no longer a battle. So we need to learn how to get up, get our gloves up, take a position of faith. So we're not going to be punching bags of life. I'm going to go out. I'm going to be, make a difference in my city. I'm going to make a difference in my high school. I'm going to make a difference in the university. I'm going to make a difference in my job. I'm going to make a difference on Sundays through Wellington Equippers. I'm, I'm here for the fight, and I'll take some hits, but I'm going to give some. Thank you very much. You've got to get your gloves up. That's what our friend Peter learns in the second time he gets up. He gets his gloves up. But he doesn't just get his gloves up. He goes again. Momentum is created by people who go again. You know, it's, it's not about the, the skill of the leader you're following. It's not about the, 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 the morality of your own life even. It's, it's, it's about going again, going again, going again. You know, some of the most significant revolutionaries in the world, they were useless leaders. There's a guy, Fidel Castro, you might know of a country called Cuba, near Cuba Street. He, um, I'll give you some history. He had multiple failed attempts at igniting a revolution. The first one, he started with 123 people, and within a day, they were down to 80. And then it took them a long time to regather their energy to go again. And the second time, uh, sorry, they went down to 60, and they, they bolstered numbers up. They probably lied to people how awesome they were. They got on a boat, 82 of them. Him and his brother and 80 others got on a boat that was designed for eight people and an absolute maximum of 20 people. Because of that, they got to their destination, which they're going to have a coordinated attack on, two days late. 82 of them, two days late. In their first day of restarting the revolution, we'd already restarted, 60 of them at least, 62 of them at least, were either dead or captured at the end of day one. That's not a good leader. That's not someone you want to follow. But he did end up eventually taking over the country, completely altering it with his ideology and his worldview and his politics until even now. That was in the 1950s, from 1953 to 1956 to 1959. Fidel Castro ineptly tried to start a revolution. You imagine being part of a team. You imagine if we had Outreach Sunday next week and there were 80 of us to start with and there were 20 left alive and not in prison at the end of the day. Wow. But you've got to learn how to go again. Sometimes persistence, you don't have to be better than your problem. You just have to outlast your problem. You don't have to, sometimes there, there are some things you don't have to break or habits of your life. You just got to outlast that habit. You've just got to say, I'm more persistent than the enemy of my soul. I'm more persistent than my incompetencies. I'm going to go again. I'm going to go again. Maybe you've tried some stuff and it hasn't worked. Well, I'm here to preach into your spirit and say, go again. 
momentum is created in the kingdom when we go again. When you invite people to church and they say no, go again. When he doesn't, she doesn't see you as marriage material, go again. We've got two or three people in our church who their husband or their wife now, five years ago, didn't think they were the kind of marrying type. I was sharing the story. One of my elders, uh, he's, he's a bit of a legend, but at the start of the year, uh, we sat down and had a coffee, and I said, well, what do you want to do, Caleb? And he said, oh, I'd like, to get, I'd like to find a wife and have a motorbike. And I knew the story of the girl who didn't like him at all, who had shot him down pretty, pretty coldly, really, uh, in the whole, hey, would you marry me sort of kind of thing, or would you just go out, or would you be interested in coffee? No. Oh, okay. Caleb's not real Mr. Confident. He's, he's, he's one of the best in New Zealand at what he does in computers, uh, but he's not, Mr., he's not Mr. kind of extrovert, as some people on computers aren't. But I said to him, well, look, let's buy the motorbike now because you can control that one. <laughs> but let's work a plan with Penny, eh? Now, I, I shared this story last night, and, and people in our church are laughing at Caleb. I was like, well, he's laughing at you right now because he's married to Penny. Sometimes you've got to say, when, when they don't see you as marriage material, go again. When you don't get the first job you apply for, what do you do? Okay. Church is not a spectator sport. I know we're in a theater, but some of you guys at the back think you can't be seen, but I can see every one of you now. The lights are down. Even the one with the headphones in. When things don't work out quite the way you're believing for, what do you do? That's better. When the crowd doesn't respond to your preaching the way you want them to, what do you do? When an outreach fails, what do you do? When you end up broke, what do you do? See, this is the thing. Some people think success is people who haven't had mistakes. We started something in Dunedin in the, in the university that was unbelievable. We started seeing people saved all the time. Uh, we, we had a, a group, but when we left, there was over 250 tertiary students. You know how we did that? By doing a whole lot of things really badly or a whole lot of things that didn't work. But we just kept on trying until we found one thing that worked. And then we'll find one other thing that worked. I reckon by the end of my seven years running university ministry, I only had three tricks in my sleeve. I had three tricks, but I knew how to work them. One of them was barbecue. I could do good barbecue. We had 164 people at our house for a barbecue. Uh, four days after my second child was born, my wife said, oh, I was thinking of coming home from the hospital today. And I was like, honey, don't do it. <laughs> Stay there and have a night. Trust me. See you later. <laughs> Ten minutes after we started the barbecue, it was typical to Dunedin, you know, bright sunny sun Sunday morning while you're in church. You get out of church and it starts to pour. It's summer in Dunedin. That's what summer in Dunedin's like. It was raining so hard the barbecue stopped cooking because there's too much water on them. So we had to get people to hold up umbrellas while we, we just mowed all my furniture against the wall so we could fit 165 people in a tiny three-bedroom house on the hill. Luckily, we had a villa, so the, the hallway was like, you know, 15 meters wide. So we had 45 people in our hallway. That was one of our three successful tactics we used. That was it. Busy. It's not. It's. It's not the, the the brilliance that does it. It's the persistence that does it. Yeah, Edison, I think, it was eleven hundred and fifty something uh, light bulb trials, uh, uh, learning what doesn't make a light bulb before he found out what does make a light bulb. Yeah, sometimes you just need to learn how to go again in life and let let it get up on the inside of you in faith. Like the persistent widow, 
You're not seeing God move in a situation. Jesus told the story of a woman. If you don't know it, you have to look it up in your own time because there's not enough time tonight. But it's just he just says, the woman wears the unjust judge who won't give her justice down by her nagging. And Jesus uses that story to say, how much more will God, who is just, hear the plea of his righteous ones? The last thing Jesus puts on after that parable is, I tell you, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? See, because sometimes faith, faith is not in the, I didn't get knocked out. Faith isn't in the, oh, well, I'm on my knees and it hurts, and I'm just going to curl up in the fetal position because it's kind of comfortable here. And, oh, the feet is kind of cozy. This isn't a position of faith. It's quite comfy, though. Oh. Faith is found in the person who persists until they see the breakthrough. They keep fighting. They get up. They get their gloves up. They're too stupid to know they've just been knocked out twice. There's not enough brain cells left to know they've been knocked out twice. They just get their faith up, and they go again. And they get lucky with one shot, and they knock the enemy out. Wellington equippers, get up and go again. There's things I want to say into your spirit. There are people you've settled in defeat, and it feels comfortable because there's no longer a fight. But it's because you're entering into a slave agreement with your enemy. You're into a submission agreement with the enemy of this city, of the enemy of your family, the enemy of your future, the enemy of our nation. You need to get up. And yep, you're going to take some punches, but you're going to give some as well. And if you keep going again, you're going to see some victory. There's something tonight in this place. There's going to be some victory. There's some people here. You need to get this in your spirit. I'm going to get up. I'm going to glove up. I'm going to go again. If right now you're stuck in an area of your life and you've made an agreement with defeat, because it's comfy down on the mat, it feels like your friend when you've taken a hit. You know, when I was lying on the road at negative three degrees on Monday morning, the only reason I got up was because there was a car coming. If I stayed there, I was going to get run over. It's way easier when you're, when you're bruised and you're hurt and you're like, Flip, what the heck just happened? to stay down but that is not your friend that is defeat that is not your destiny it is not your destiny to stay in defeat it is not the will of God for your life it is not the outcome he has planned for you, it is not the purpose he has for your life, it's not why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sin so you could stay defeated if you're stuck tonight, what I'm going to do I want you to respond and I want you to get up maybe you're, you're down in Maybe it's an issue of sin, and you feel like it's beaten down on you. You feel like Satan, your enemy, is just punching down, he's raining down, condemnation blows, and it's just felt easier not to try again. Tonight, you need to stand in this place. You need to stand and say, I'm not agreeing with that anymore. I'm going to stand in a position of faith. I'm going to get my gloves up to the one who saved my soul. I'm going to get the gloves up, and I'm going to make a decision to go again. Maybe tonight, you've, you've made an agreement, and this is, this is a time to start standing. Maybe you've made an agreement that, oh, I'm just going to be poor the rest of my life because that's where my parents were. That's, that's what I was born into. I'm going to die that way. We've never been good at getting jobs. If you've made an agreement like that, you need to get out of that space. And tonight, you need to stand to your feet and say, I'm going to go again. 
I'm going to get my gloves up. I'm getting up and I'm not agreeing with the prognosis of the enemy. Maybe there's a health issue in your life where you've just settled and you're just believing I'm going to be this way the rest of my life because it seems easier to accept disease and sickness than to believe in faith that I might be healed in Jesus' name. Stand up. I know I've already spoken to some of you. Maybe there's fear of man in your life that's saying, hey, stay down. That's not the voice of your friend. That's the voice of your enemy. If you're here tonight and there's a situation and a circumstance in life where you've been knocked down, maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's betrayal. Maybe you feel like you've let Jesus down. You need to stand right now in this place. You need to allow something of the Holy Spirit to move in your heart. Here's the thing about a response. It demands a response of you. If you're here in this place, thanks. And there's an area where you're saying, man, I'm, I've been, I realize I've been on the mat. And the enemy's knocked me down, but I'm not out. You need to serve notice on that whom which you're fighting. You need to serve notice on him. You need to stand to your feet like Peter the fighter. You need to get your gloves up right now in this place and you're lifting up your gloves to Jesus and you're saying God I'm going to go again I'm going to believe that you who have called me will equip me to go again in Jesus name I'm out of time tonight I'm not out of word God, I just thank you right now. Lord, we thank you, Lord. You are the God of the much more. You're the God of the breakthrough. Lord, I thank you. It is not your will for us to be defeated. It's not your will for us to be beaten down by the enemy, but to get up and to be more than an overcomer. Lord, I thank you. You've called us to overwhelming victory in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that, that, that in the spirit of this church is the spirit of a fighter, the spirit of a breakthrough. Lord, in Jesus' name, we just declare, Lord, your power at work within us. Lord, your power to break off the strongholds the enemy to break down the strongholds of the one who opposes us. And Lord, we just declare in Jesus' name, Lord, we declare in Jesus' name, victory to the left, victory to the right. Lord, we declare we will go again. And Lord, though we fall, though we fall, we'll not be utterly cast down because you uphold us. So Lord, we just speak into this realm in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we speak a, a faith to go again, a faith to see the victory, a faith to see the enemy destroyed and our lives in Jesus' name. Come on, we can praise Him better than that if He's worthy of our praise in Jesus' name.